Warning, we get super excited in this podcast. We may even drop a few S and F words. If you don't like to hear that thing, we're sorry, but not sorry. Maybe make sure no one is around that doesn't like those kind of words because I don't even know how many times we said them. Probably a lot. Enjoy. Why don't I pick up my bloody phone and call someone and have a chat? And I guarantee you after I've had that chat, there's no way I feel like going back to what I was doing, which is comparing myself to someone else on Instagram. Right now I'm rocking Grandma Rose, mm. but I've had Smurf Blue and I don't know, I'm thinking maybe like a sort of tropical, like orange sunset next. Ooh, yes. Very nice. Hey, welcome to the I Made a Thing podcast with Rachel and Sophia. Our podcast is for business owners who don't believe in cheat sheets. So Sophia, comparison, comparisonitis, mm. how often do you experience it? Unfortunately, it's probably on the daily still. Definitely regularly speaking in my business, which disappoints me a bit. I think it's very easy to look around at all the shiny things wonder if you're good enough and you think someone's succeeding whether they are or not is a different question and you look at what you think is making them successful and then you try and replicate that in your own life and business and I'm not sure that that is very conscious still maybe it's a slightly more feminine trait as well I'm not sure I think dudes also do it too but For us, I feel like it's harder for us to maybe find our own voice and have our own clear picture of who we are, what we want to show up in business looking like and kind of stick to it, particularly from that competitive, strategic perspective as well. It's obviously really important for us in terms of making it work. So yeah, for me, it's it's a daily pressure and I don't have all the answers on this one. It's something I'm still struggling with. Yeah. how, How do you find it? given that you're a bit further along your business journey? Oh, God, it's like on the daily as well. (laughs) Well, like I thought that I would get more comfortable in business, to be honest, and that maybe some of these kind of pressures or internal like, you know, confidence triggers would sort of slow down or dissipate, but instead I'm actually feeling them more than Mm. ever. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I've gone through sort of personal growth and my business has changed and sort of niched down. I have a really strong focus now, if that's it. Or if, again, it sort of ties into a bit of perfectionism um, and my need to, to do well all the time. And so for me, yeah, it's actually worse now. So I have to do a lot more work around that and remind myself, you know, of the things that I've done well and, how it's still just like, you know, a learning game because at the moment I'm having to spend a lot of time refocusing my target markets. I'm focusing specifically on um, women and particular corporate clients now. So, you know, I don't cater to everyone. So I'm trying to focus on that and hone in on what they want, what they like, other business owners are doing something similar so I can really position myself differently. So yeah, I spend way more time now, to be honest, looking externally than I ever did before. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I think as small business owners, we're so much more vulnerable to this comparison trap because if you're doing something like a SWOT analysis, if you're doing something like developing customer personas, 
you're really comparing yourself as a solo business owner or even with a small team to someone else who's also just a person like they might not be a particularly separate entity like this company structure that's got that separation so it becomes hugely personal what do you think we can do to stop this comparison becoming really unhealthy like are there some strategies that you've personally found work in your business yeah I think to be honest it's a mindset shift because you're right like I spend all day every day for my corporate clients which are like like large universities um you know, health organizations. I spend all day doing exactly the same thing for them as they do with small business owners. But you're right, instead of it being an organization, it's a person. So I'll have to look at things. Yeah, clients, if their marketing branding's good, you know, if their website links are broken, if they've got spelling mistakes, the works. And how professional their photos look. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if they've got like cool colors, if they like doing Insta stories, you know, all of the things. And so I think. For me, it's a mindset shift. So I actually have to switch off the emotive side, even for my clients, because I could be reviewing their competitors. And obviously I love my clients and I want them to do really well. And I treat them just the same as my business. So, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, they're amazing. They're the best. But I have to even switch that off to be able to critique correctly. So for me, it's a mindset shift and so if I find for personally or for business that I'm falling into this trap where I'm saying either I'm not good enough or I'm perfect and amazing because I'm not wanting to actually be a bit more reflective and critical I have to switch it out so often I'll make sure that I'm in a good mindset like a good frame of mind to be able to do it because if I'm emotional or tired or hungry particularly if I'm hungry I can't do it very well Mm. so I'll start to do it and then kind of get stuck in the thick of it and not come out so I don't know if anyone's ever done like therapy or if you do any interviews this is also from a journalist perspective you start off easy go in deep and you make sure you bring out your um, like interviewee into like a nice happy spot again so if I start to go down I'm just in the trenches for too long and starting to get really sort of difficult and emotive um, then I will try and bring myself back out of it and sometimes I actually have to step away for like 10 minutes Mm. go put the washing on come back and be like and so the purpose of what I'm doing today was x y and z Um. and then go okay have I got enough information now am I just critiquing and comparing for the sake of it now because I feel shit or you know not good enough or do I need to do more work and often I've got all the stuff I need I'm just stuck you're just scrolling yeah you're in the Instagram hole or the Facebook hole or whatever the latest social media thing is and you're just getting sucked into that vortex yeah so I guess framework for me remembering why I'm doing the thing what I'm trying to achieve and I also put time limits on these things too you know, with research or any type of work that I do. So I'll be like, okay, I've got 15 minutes to research these six businesses that I found and I'll go and do that and have a slight checklist. And like I said, if it's after, you know, 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh my God, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. Then I'm like, whoa, okay, time to step out. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Very practical. And I think we have to be pretty strict because our emotions are so strong. And so we've kind of framed this in a negative sense, but 
you know, it could also be a bias positive sense too. You could be comparing yourself and going, wow, I'm amazing. And that's also not helpful and not healthy for the success of your business. So you really want to be as unbiased as you possibly can. And sometimes it's not going to be the right time to do that because it is intrinsically linked to who you are. If you're not having a great day or maybe you're having too good a day. (laughs) Yeah, I'm amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so it might not be the best time to be doing that work around figuring out what makes you competitive or figuring out your weaknesses, your strengths, et cetera. So being mindful of that, I guess. And as you say, setting out with a very clear purpose and really approaching it as a job, as work to be done, rather than you're already scrolling on your phone for some reason, you come across someone maybe who's similar to you, similar industry, similar business, and you go, oh, I should check them out to see how I compare. That's uh -uh, red signals, warning, probably not a good time to do that work. Put your phone down. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. But how easy is it to do that though? Like how the hell do you stop yourself from doing that? Like what are your triggers do you hear because I personally find I'm on you know the gram scrolling normally when I'm wanting connection and don't have it because I'm a little bit like lonely in the Mm. biz or I'm struggling to do something personally or in my business and it's a little bit hard and I'm trying to you know tap out distract myself from doing the work so are there any particular scenarios or feelings for you that trigger it because I'm already by the time I'm on the gram, I'm already in a slight hole. And so it's so much easier to go down. So I need to stop myself prior to that. Yeah. Something I've been, I mean, I'm not perfect to this. I think we're all guilty of it. I mean, these apps are designed to be addictive and any kind of addiction is going to be hard to break and really hard to get out of. But this is where I think you need to really call in the, the Calvary, the cows, no, the cow, Calvary. Yeah, did I say that right? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like an old person saying something. Good. I'm old. Okay, <laughs> so do that, and by that I mean your support network. So it might be a really good idea to first of all just recognize that those feelings are happening. You could even, like, if you're a fan of journaling, I'm not particularly, but if you're a fan of journaling, actually write down the time and the place you're in when this you had this feeling. So you're probably at home at say ten o'clock at night. Everyone else has gone to bed, maybe you're still up on your phone, for example. Write that down and just kind of hold yourself more accountable for that. And then maybe you go, okay, well, I need to, if this is happening every day this week, I've been on my phone at 10 o'clock trying to comparing myself to other people feeling like shit. Okay, well, that's a problem. I need to break this. I'm going to actually use an app that means I can't get on these apps after 7 p.m., for example. So it's not about like trying to really change who you are necessarily because I feel like it's so human to behave like this, but actually using your support network or even technology to help you stop it. Something I've been trying is actually calling a friend. So if I find myself like spiraling, I recognize, oh yeah, exactly what you're saying, feeling a bit lonely today. Okay. Well, instead of like falling to this vortex of comparing myself on Instagram to other people, (laughs) why don't I pick up my bloody phone and call someone and have a chat? And I guarantee you after I've had that chat, there's no way I feel like going back to what I was doing, which is comparing myself to someone else on Instagram. So that's something I've been trying and that's working quite well, actually. That's really good. I love that. Yeah, I often do that. And I think the problem for me um, recently, I mean, I've been doing this for like nearly eight years and I have support networks all over the world and I've lived all over the world, which has been amazing. And so my friends can be in the UK and the US, etc. So I do actually use some of these online apps, you know, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook Messenger, texting, etc., 
to communicate and I do have a lot of really amazing communities on there but then the problem is when I'm operating that space and I'm feeling a bit lonely and I do go to chat to them I can get sucked in as well and so I'm struggling with that personally like lately I was like oh I'm loving you know being back on Instagram and I'm chatting to people all day every day and it's great I'm feeling less lonely and making connections but then I'm still faced with different things that I don't want to be involved with and I can get distracted and I'm not really sure how to stop that so I do have rules like why I don't use my phone um you know after 9 p.m all of that kind of stuff but for me it's really hard and sometimes you know I would prefer to chat to people on the phone my thumbs are sore from texting but people are at work and doing different things and sometimes it's hard to get those um deep and meaningful conversations I feel like lately so I schedule coffee chats with friends um where we can show up Hmm. and talk more openly and honestly and I feel great after those but I think for a lot of us um who particularly me when I first started out I didn't really know anyone who's doing what I was doing so I would just spend like all day every day by myself and I think a lot of um, our listeners could be in the same boat so I don't know do you do anything in particular to stop you from getting in that like say if you want to Mm. chat to someone but you can't do it on the phone and it's like 11.33 11.33 in the mor- you know, in the morning and you're feeling a bit like meh. Like when everyone's at work, what do you do? That's a really tough one. I actually don't have the answer for that, particularly late at night. I think that's, you know, there's deeper issues going on around sleep and health and general well-being. But for me, I'm really trying to be more proactive in prioritising social interaction. Working from home, it's only been just over 12 months that I've been a work-from-home homer. Um and, yeah, it is, it's really tough. I think you need to really see it as an investment in yourself but also your business. So sometimes it's better to frame things in a less personalised way that maybe helps give yourself a kick up a butt, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes Because I feel like it's really easy to not prioritise yourself but to prioritise the business. So if you say, okay, well, in order for the business to be successful, I need to be, you know, the best version of me, blah, 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 cheesy, blah. So in order to do that, I know that it's good and healthy for me to catch up with people during the week and have human human interaction. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually going to prioritize scheduling that on, say, a Sunday afternoon. I'm going to send a few messages out or I'm going to make some phone calls. Hey, you're free for a coffee midweek. So I'm actually going to plan ahead more. And I've been making, say, a 50% effort towards making that happen. But I really need to kick that into gear and be more forward thinking about, okay, probably by Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to be a bit lonely. I need to make sure I've got some coffee dates or catch-ups or co-working meetups, whatever you want to call them, arranged so that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be feeling lonely and spiralling on social media or anywhere else. Yeah, because that's what I do too and it's been amazing. So, And it also breaks up my day slash frames my day. So I get up in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym, do X, Y, and Z, do these two client projects and at 4.30 p.m. I get to knock off and go see a friend. It's just, yeah, I been talking to a lot of my clients too and and we do that we do those evening chats and we have our kids and our partners but it's during the day when I'm having like you know downtime or just wanting to chat something through that I don't actually have that many people I can call upon and that's when I spiral and again I still don't have the answers of how to uh, fix that Mm. so yeah it's not really the late night thing for me it's the middle of the day when I want to ask a question and it's literally just something like hey I was thinking about this like what you do if you're a nine to five you know you like swivel your chair around you're like do you want to get a coffee or yeah what do you think of this and I don't have that and that's for me is quite hard because I like to talk things through 
And um, yeah, I don't have that all of the time. So I think for me, um, that's when those feelings come in and then I start to have self-doubt because then I'm just talking to myself, let's be honest, in my head or to my plants um, and they're not particularly helpful. And then perfectionism can kick in as well. And so often when I'm overworked, so I can go the other way where I've got lots of work and no time to think, that's when I can also get into kind of, I don't know, like a high functioning mindset where I'm just like, go, go, go. And then I start comparing as well. So I think there's the down times and when we work too, too hard and start to get an unhealthy, I suppose, balance between work, life, physical, mental health, etc. that I think some of these comparison issues come up. And I know if definitely for me, it's perfectionism that kicks in, which causes the, you know, comparisonitis. Mm. Yeah, I think too it's about not making really broad generic statements about what being in business looks like, looks like for you too. So, you know, people – it was just coming to mind a um, – I don't know if you call it a stereotype or like a – the kind of mindset that, oh, well, business is lonely and, you know, just suck it up. Like, Mm. you know, you took this on, you agreed to do this, so therefore this is what it looks like. Well, no, that's not actually the case. It doesn't have to be like that. So if you don't, if you know that you're not going to do well working from home by yourself for the majority of the time, because I have to say that's generally what it ends up being like unless you put effort into it not being like that, then you actually need, I think, to plan for an alternative. And for example, I know people that have recognized that. And so they've budgeted into their business working from a co-working space. And that is the only way that they can be productive and stay in business by themselves. That's the only way they can do it. And so they've budgeted that in just like you budget in rent or anything else that's essential for your survival in business. So I think it's being realistic about those things too. Um, maybe you want to work from a co-working space two days a week and you need to budger and factor that in. And I would be I would be thinking about that early on in your business or before you even start when you're doing that budget, when you're doing that business planning work, that you're being really realistic about what it looks like to be a sole business owner and being in business by yourself if you're still at that stage. you know. And even if you do have a small team and your team's online-based, I know people that go and work from co-working spaces that do have small teams and that, again because they need that human interaction. It might not be that they even talk to anyone else at the co-working space, but they're around other human beings, around other people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I personally hate co-working spaces. Exactly, yeah. So I'm like, hell no, I've got my own office space. But then, yeah, I went too far the other way where I was like, I like people and I like talking. I'm not one of the introverted uh, writers, which, you know, I know there's most like that and they love that. Um, I was like, I need people. I'm going insane talking to myself. So, yeah, I set up the other things. But I think, you know, if we look at this point of, you know, do women feel added pressure and have added constraints on themselves, both with how they see themselves and show up in the world, but how they run business, I think we'd agree um, that a lot of women who start business, particularly my clients, find it hard to, one, prioritise themselves to think really like clearly and rationally about what they need, but also financially and time constraints, mm. I feel. So many of my clients, some are um, younger, early 30s, but to be honest, majority of mine are late 30s to early 40s and they have uh, children and partners and other family members that they care for. And so when they start a business, often it's not because 
I mean, they want to start a business, but they also feel more pressured to start a business because of childcare, um, like I said, looking after a family member, um, trying to get a bit of additional income to support their family because they're their partner's um, more of the traditional uh, breadwinner. And so they don't have the money at the start to spend on co-working spaces. And I think they find it hard to justify to themselves that extra expense and they feel like it's better to invest more money um, into getting clients or marketing or as, you know, we're told all the time, you know, to, you know, it's more important for them to be on social media and to be always online saying Insta stories than actually taking time out to do the work in a co-working space. So I think we also need to um, recognise that not all of us can factor in. I mean, ideally we would, but I don't know, my clients I think would come back to me if I said that and say, well, what about the money? What about childcare? What about this? Or the co-working space is, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes away. It's the opposite direction to childcare. You know, I work and live in the suburbs. Like, how is that going to work out for me? And to be honest, a lot of the time it, it does really make much financial sense and they have to think of other options. Mm. So I don't know what you think of that, but yeah, I, I mean, know I would come back to me and say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's for everyone, but I, again, I would play devil's advocate and say well if they're if that is something essential to the success of their business and that's the only way it's going to succeed is them having that kind of structure you know a desk to work at the proper setup people around them if that's the only way that they can work properly then unfortunately maybe they shouldn't start a business if they can't work from home and can't afford all the things that go with that because ultimately if the only way they can do it from home is from home but it's not going to be successful from home, well then why are they starting a business? So I think they, I think we all need to be really honest with ourselves and say, well, it's all very well to say we can't afford something, but actually maybe we, if we can't afford it, maybe we can't afford to be in business. And I mean, that applies to anything. I mean, no, we're focusing on the idea of co-working spaces, but it's about setting yourself up to be successful and to have the right support structures and, you know, if you don't have a strong network yet, well, maybe it's not the right time to go into business. Maybe you need to keep working part-time. So it's about making sure that you actually are starting off on the right foot and giving yourself all the tools and things you need to be successful in business and, and being designing it to fit your life and designing it to fit your circumstances. And, of course, we've just said we're talking about comparison. So you don't need to go and work at a co-working space just because everyone else is doing that. You only need to do that if you need to do that. <laughs> Yeah, which is good. But, uh, yeah, I guess the, just the added pressure around that. I mean, the professional image, being authentic, having a good brand, having a good website, we could actually argue that there's a lot of pressure to have all of those mm. done and amazing before you even start. So I know for, for me personally, I've invested a lot in my uh, website in my processes, um, I obviously did my own copy and predominantly most of my own branding and website design. So I'm very fortunate with that. But then I also invested in uh, a bit of a help with a graphic designer, um, like an accountant and things like that. So I think we could argue that a lot of us feel pressured to be amazing at the start, but we actually need to do a lot of work prior to starting yeah. or even right now, you know, I'm still investing in my, in my business because then I do look around and like, oh, everyone's got this amazing stuff. And I was like, well, they've probably invested in it, right? Like they've probably spent money and time and energy in it. And I'm, you know, in my trackies, 
unwashed hair, eating barbecue shapes on the couch, trying to compare like, you know, all of my internal stuff with their, you know, online social presence that they've created. And I think that's also important. So we feel pressured as women to turn up and be perfect and amazing. And then we compare each other to these profiles that we create, which have to be good. Yeah. Like you're starting a business, but then we're comparing our internal issues, feelings, lifestyle choices to someone's external yeah, manifestation of who they ideally want to be to attract the right people. And I think that's, again, when we can fall into the, to the comparison trap. So I don't know, like, do we need to try and be perfect? And how much do you think we need to be, you know, together in air quotation marks before we show up, whether it's to show up to start a business or perhaps, you know, people who are further down the line like me who are still trying to show up. What do you think? I mean, something that springs to mind is in the perfect world, people wouldn't judge us by how we look. They would work with us purely based on the value we can deliver and the problems we can solve for them. Unfortunately, that world doesn't exist. It never will. And we have to be realistic about all those behavioral things and emotive things that happen. So, you know, being what does being professional look like and we'll probably talk about that more in a different podcast but unfortunately yeah people do look at our external representations like what we look like what clothes we wear what colors we use what font we use they use all these things they bring them all together to build this picture of who we are but in saying that times are changing I believe and even around, you know, you only have to look at something like the way that genders are represented and this idea of more fluidity with gender. I'm really hopeful that for women in business in particular, the emphasis on how we look will fade and it will be more about the problems we can solve and the value we can deliver for our clients or whether that be product or service-based. So figuring out what's right for you at the moment is and being able to show up like that unfortunately at the moment may not be entirely possible if you want to be successful in business like I would love to be able to just show up in a I don't know maybe I felt like wearing a bikini that day (laughs) hot (laughs) hot and I'm gonna do my client work like that well that probably is never going to be acceptable in society not in my lifetime so I have to tone that and change what I want to do that day to make sure my business is successful. That this is just my opinion. I, you know, I'm happy for people to argue with me on this one. If they want me to show up in a bikini, maybe that's okay. Um, in a non-creepy way, by the way. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we do. It is then easy to, of course, go well. Okay, if I can't be exactly what I just feel like doing today, which, like, this is getting into this psych stuff, which I don't know enough about then I am probably going to compare myself to someone else who's already successful in business and like unconsciously copy how they dress, whether they're wearing makeup, whether they're wearing high heels, all of these factors as women in business. I feel like I've gone a bit of a tangent. But anyway, what I'm saying is it's really hard to not have comparisons still happening in order for your business to be successful at the moment. I'm hoping we can try and do that in a more authentic way to what we actually like and enjoy and want to show up and do in business. How you do that right now? Oh, so hard so hard to figure out yeah uh, what's your take on that one we well, you know that I have pretty strong stance on this so I literally turn up to meetings with my 
washed hair by the way but washed messy bun minimal makeup jeans sneakers jeans boots t-shirt why because that's what i want to wear and i feel comfortable in that seriously if you put me in like high heels which i can't walk in by the way um you know a tight dress all of those kind of things if i showed up like that i would feel for me an idiot Mm. like not authentic i would then be fussing too busy trying to pull my dress down so i didn't you know flash my underwear or something then actually focusing on what i have to do and say and so to be honest you know that's what i do most of my comparing with it's feeling like I should show up to be similar to other women because I feel their external presence and that is what people want. And then I equate that with their success, which is not true, could be to a degree, but not. And that's what I struggle with the most where I'm like, oh, maybe I should, you know, wear more makeup. Wear a power suit or something. Power suit and have my hair like blow dried. Maybe I should wear more pink, although I wear a lot more pink now. Um, you know, have pineapples, I should be on the beach, you know, looking hot. My, you know, partner should have all his like bling on and we should be at some fancy restaurant. That's where I fall into the comparison. And then I have to remind myself, um, one, I don't want to live like that. Two, I don't want to run my business like that. And three, to be honest, my clients don't actually want me to be like that. And this is talking about my large corporate clients um, with large contracts, serious, you know, people tapping on their eye, pad and drinking large amounts of coffee you know all those stereotype boardroom type things and my female small business clients who you know do have the kids on their lap you know the dog they're barking you know these really kind of homely things both of them don't actually want me to turn up like that and I don't just guess this I know this because I've done market research and I've asked my clients and they tell me that they they love both of them that I um as they describe it, put like the human back into their brand, put the human back into business. And they hire me because they want to know what I have to say on something, how I think, um, how I feel, how I show up. They're not actually wanting a fake version of me or a stereotype because if they did, they would probably hire someone who fell into those stereotypes. So I think you're right. Like it is, um, it is changing and you can have a very successful business showing up and we know that particularly with men you know they wear the same what black skivvy steve jobs and everyone loves that analogy yeah i'm pretty sure if i turned up every day in the same black t-shirt people probably would question that slightly but i do think it is getting better for women when you can like show up like i even show up to teach my classes like no makeup again sneakers you know like jumper and stuff like that because i'm there to teach them I'm there to help them, to serve them. I'm not there to sell them an ideal or something. And I think even recently with my business, targeting new clients, my students have actually helped me with that because they really just don't give a shit what I look like. Like you, when people come to teach you, share things, share knowledge, when do we ever think you need to be prettier? And again, in air quotation marks, you know, like we don't define those kind of um attributes to education values etc so yeah I mean I think it's just about doing what feels right for you um if wearing the tight dress and wearing the heels makes you feel awesome and that's how you want to work hey no judgment whatsoever we're not saying that's a bad thing but we're just saying that wouldn't be right for Rachel that wouldn't be how she could deliver the most value to her clients turning up like that that's that's not right for her it might be right for someone else though and that's absolutely fine and then you shouldn't then compare yourself to Rachel either. Like if you don't want to 
be like Rachel? Don't be like Rachel. Please don't be like me. <laughs> I want to see lots of mini Rachels getting about, <laughs> like a little army of Rachels. Oh, my matching tracksuit sets, which is what I wear, by the way, guys, for work I wear my matching tracksuit sets. So. What colour are you? What's your favourite at the moment? Right now I'm rocking Grandma Rose, mm. but I've had Smurf Blue and I don't know, I'm thinking maybe like a sort of tropical, like orange sunset next. Ooh, yes. Very nice. Yeah. So again, you know, like I have fun with this kind of stuff. That's how I want to want to work. So that's what I rock up in, not to my meetings. I put on jeans and t-shirt, but to sit at home. But I have client um, Zoom chats where, again, hair in a messy bun with my pink scrunchie that I brought for an 80s party six years ago and my matching tracksuit sets no makeup nothing and yeah literally no one's ever said to me like you look tired or oh have you just been sitting at home today like no one's ever done any patronizing comments on my looks I've actually probably normally got nice comments like oh like your room's nice or I love your jacket or something like that more than anything negative because I think that's also what we're afraid of right to be in these meetings to be having these conversations and to be called out for whatever reason like oh you're just writing in a notebook you didn't bring your iPad oh so you're just going to wear that or you look tired today or been busy lately you know these kind of questions that make us whether they are or not make us feel like we're being judged and compared and often not good enough yeah in these circumstances they're this it's the subtle little things like no one ever walks up and says like you look like shit unless they're a friend but we can without realizing it be putting each other down um or making each other feel like they're not good enough and haven't showed up in the right way so what do you think do we need to also be careful with the way that we support and talk each other through these kind of situations oh definitely I was just thinking about how when I transitioned from more corporate strict where there's dress codes to being able to show up however I wanted I was like really unsure about what that looked like and I'm now kind of at the point where I know what that looked like but I never once did a client say oh why aren't you wearing a suit like I think they were actually a bit like what how you were sharing stories. I think they were relieved, like they didn't want to work with someone in a strict suit that used language they couldn't understand. Um, you know that consultant wasn't the right consultant for them. It might be for someone else, but it wasn't for them. So yeah, it's look. This is really tough stuff, and I don't think I have all the answers. <laughs> I'm t- look, I don't know. Like I'm still figuring this stuff out. What what? What do you think? <laughs> well, I guess I'm trying to be um, more mindful of the language I use. And I know that, again, when you're talking about different language and gender, you know, not saying to a young girl, oh, aren't you pretty? And a boy, like, aren't you smart? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get better at that, uh, both the way that I talk about myself, my friends and fellow business owners. So instead of um, describing I mean, I do it too in some ways, but, you know, instead of describing a female business client, if I'm introducing my clients to other service providers, instead of saying, you know, oh, here's Sophia, like she's really lovely and beautiful and fabulous and stunning and which... It, Thank you. <laughs> she is. She's all of these things, by the way. Um, you know, when I describe you, Sophia, I say things like she is um, talented, practical, yeah. She gets shit done. She makes me feel heard. Like she has, you know, values and she's got a value-driven business. She can 
do all of the things and she does them well. She's going to make me rich. Oh, God, I hope so. (laughs) Cash, baby, cash. But, yeah, I'm trying to do less. Like, she's a beautiful person, which you are, and more the service you can provide. How I would talk about a male. And also when my clients show up and they apologize, um, which I've spoken a bit about this, you know, in my social feeds, women apologizing for everything to my zoom meetings here i am in a scrunchie like just rolled out of bed i'm going to be honest here like still sipping my coffee like yawning because you've got a morning meeting you know i'm like shit running late we all are we all have those moments you know getting ready etc they show up and they're flustered and they're apologizing for the way they look they've got a pimple that the cats meowing in the background that they haven't had breakfast yet all of these same things and I was like whoa 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 like we're both in this we've changed the meeting time it's now earlier let's just go with it and the same Mm. as my students apologize as soon as they hand an assignment they come up to me and literally the female students apologize for the quality of their work and each time I want to slap them slash love them hard and I'm just (laughs) like please stop apologizing it do my male students do that? No. Mm. Have my male clients in the past apologized for keeping me waiting 10 minutes, for, you know, having someone yelling across the room? No. We also need to, to stop, like, apologizing for existing and then we can maybe stop apologizing for being women and then we can maybe stop apologizing for having successful businesses. I don't know. Yeah. And I think the great place to start with that is just being more mindful about what's coming out of your mouth. So it's not going to change overnight. We're not asking everyone to be magically perfect uh, feminists overnight. Uh, but it's about, yeah, just being more mindful about what you actually are saying, how you talk about yourself. Yeah, how you compare yourself. Are you comparing yourself in a healthy, productive, you know, competitive advantage way or are you comparing yourself in a negative, unhealthy or too positive light that you think you're up, got you put yourself on this pedestal? Well, maybe that's also a risk for your business. So where are you on that? Write some stuff down about that. Definitely. Put pen to paper. And I think also, you know, the language we speak, but also how we critique success and each other's success. So if we look at, you know, lots of likes on Insta, um, having heaps of people sending you emails, DMs, having people compliment you on the way you look, all of those things. I mean, if you want that and do you feel that they're good metrics for you, and I think in some ways they are to a degree, go for gold and use them, but not having them as your only kind of metrics, like Mm. external metrics to validate internal feelings, because then you'll find, which I've fallen into, I'm going to be honest here, that then I started comparing myself and others like that, which then changed the language, which changed how I showed up. So I would be like, oh, she's got... 50 likes on her post and I've only got 20, but we're both copywriters and we're talking about exactly the same thing, you know, like how to write a call to action, I suck. And so then I would start doing all of these kind of mental processes based on external kind of metrics and then I would start talking to clients and I feel like I started validating other people based on these and then before I knew it, you know, like, oh, girl, she's like fab, she's got like 50 million likes, whoop, and then I see that as like success and then we all start talking like that. And then before we know it, we're all feeling shit internally. But externally, we all think we're killing it. Yeah. And that that's, makes me really, really sad. Yeah. Again, this is why I'm such a big fan of goal setting. Because if you set those goals up front, whether it be yearly, monthly, whatever, we won't go into that too much right now. But if you have those articulated goals, pen to paper, that have room and have measures built in, 
then if you find yourself spiraling on anything that's not matching to those goals and metrics that you previously decided on, you can call yourself out on it and you can say, hang on, whoa, this doesn't align to my goal. This was not a measure I put in place. I said back here that I didn't care about followers. I said that I was going to measure myself based on uh, the quality and quantity of uh, testimonials I was, I was getting. It's just a quick example as a measure of success. So by setting that up front and being really clear, yeah, call yourself out on that crap. Yeah, and I have the same thing. I have goals and I have like, I want to be on six podcasts and write a book and very like numbers-based. And then I have feeling-based goals. So I'm not sure if you do this. Sophia and I recommend everyone do it. Feeling-based, like I want to feel good when I do this thing. When I work with a client, I want them to feel like X, like really sort of more emotive end result uh, feelings, so more qualitative than quantitative, Mm. and I think that can help balance you because, you know, as an example, a few years ago, I wanted to make more money, as you do, and I tripled my income in three months, and I thought I was the shit, let's be honest. (laughs) So fucking happy with myself. Uh, And was like, you know, killing it externally. Everyone was like, oh, my God, Rachel, you're amazing. You're making so much money. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Internally... I was so sad, so lonely, Mm. so stressed, so anxious. And then I like got out my like notepad and I wrote how I wanted to feel. And I realized, you know, on a scale, if it was like unicorns, rainbows, I was like, you know, everything is dark and muddy and horrible. And so I was like, oh, what the hell? (laughs) I thought I wanted this. Yeah, and I do. I I want money and I want to be successful. But then I realized I had prioritized so much that somewhere along the way, I kind of again forgot how I wanted to feel. And I had just felt more and more pressure to make more money because that's the only thing I was... Your only success factor. Only success factor. So I was like, well, I only made $10,000 this month. (gasps) Like I suck. I absolutely suck. And then I started comparing and being like, oh, these other women, but they're on a tropical island and making $50,000 a month. What am I doing wrong? And it just spiraled. spiraled. It got so bad. And so again, I think needing those internal intrinsic goals that aren't anything to do with external goals and validation, you really need those. And then it's not so hard to prioritize yourself and to reduce some of the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a strategist in that work that I do, it's a big alarm bell for me if a client comes and says their only goal that they have written down is how much money they want to make. So yeah, I do a similar thing with making sure that they have at least say two to three goals and one is not to do with money. And I make them sit down and think about that, that exact work that you've done. Yeah. Thinking about what success will look like. They might not realize that they're doing that success work in that time when they're doing that goal. And they probably think I'm nuts because they think they're in business to make money. Um, but we touched on this on other podcasts, but yeah, if you're, if your only success factor is to make some more cash, you're in deep shit and your business will not be successful. Sorry to tell you. Yep. I can tell you that I would have like killed over and died, but I would have died holding banknotes. (laughs) like little x's on my eyes and i'd be like oh i have all of this money that's going to run out because i'm too sick to keep going but anyway so what are your top tips or top takeaways for how we can address the feelings of overwhelm and pressure yeah so for me it's always going to be this putting pen to paper stuff initially uh, and having those support networks in place i think they're 
for me, the most critical things. Uh, And then being realistic that you are going to end up comparing yourself. So we talked about this off the air that, uh, you know, people make broad statements like you shouldn't compare yourself to others, blah, blah, blah. Just be yourself. Sorry to tell you that you are always going to compare yourself to other people personally and in business. And when it's just you in business or even you in a small team, it's you are intrinsic to that business. So it is going to get personal and you're going to need to have a bit of a plan about how you protect yourself a bit from that because it is going to be hard. There's going to be times when you're going to feel like shit because you've looked at someone else's Instagram or website or whatever the latest thing is and you don't feel good enough. Yeah. How about you, Rach? Well, I'm going to share some questions that I use to help me get through that dark time um, when I thought I was literally going to die hiding banknotes and I was super down. And then I've been using this recently with some of my clients on my, um, some of my more coaching show up marketing programs. And I guess what I try and do, so that mindset shift that I was talking about is if I'm looking at something and I'm starting to compare, then I try and flip it and say, okay, they're doing great, but why is this particular issue for me? So stop doing the, their external persona and bring it back to me. So I'll say things, you know, well, what's bad or missing in my life and what values aren't being met? And I try and address that because that's what really you're doing, yeah? You're comparing because you want something else. So as an example, really honest, like I've been super busy and haven't done as much um, writing, so I write for different publications and I'll be really, really happy for friends who have got published and helping all of my clients do it. And then sometimes I have to, to be honest, I'll look at other people who've got pieces and I'll be like, I could write something like that. I could have that success. You know, I could have that enjoyment too. And I can fall into the comparison trap, but then I bring it back to me like, well, Rach, you need to set aside time for writing because that's mm. who I am. That's what I'm doing at the moment. So I have chunks of time. So I bring it all back to me because what values aren't being met, I'm not being seen and heard. I've spent too much time helping others. And like I keep saying, you need to stop looking externally to feel validated internally. So again, need to do a lot of work there, both personally and professionally. I always um, have to redefine what success looks like for me. So mine has changed. You know, Like I've mentioned in another pod, it was like, I need to eat now it's very much I need targeted work and more recently like I keep saying I need to be working on being seen and heard myself so my own creative projects are way more important um, than they've ever been so I do that and that obviously ties into um, my purpose um, which we talked about in the last episode so you can go back and listen to that for your purpose work and then you know I'm just going to be honest the same as you Sophia We've just got, we have to critique ourselves. So I'll, if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, I suck at the things, all of the things. I go, okay, right. And I write all of the things I think I suck at and I let them go. And then I write a list of things that I'm good at or that I've been working on or improvements. Mm. And then I celebrate them because I have a habit of being negative Nancy and not doing enough, like, you know, of my own cheering, to be honest. And I think a lot of perfectionists and a lot of women seem to not prioritize that. So I make a big list and me and sometimes you know I've shared them with friends and I'm getting better at being like hey I did a thing and it's not perfect but I'm still awesome and having my community like you mentioned um cheer you and then my best tip that I did that literally changed my world was um I made a list of things to quit and I've got rid of a whole bunch of shit that wasn't serving me again personally 
and business. You know, mm. I stopped working on a few boards. I stopped as a board member. I stopped um, giving away a lot of my free time. I stopped volunteering. And that sounds kind of negative. You know, people are like, oh, you should give back to the community. That's what you care about as a female business owner. But I was like, I'm, I can't stretch myself um, that thin anymore. So yeah, I made a massive list and it can be for your business. So for a while there, I even quit Instagram for the first four years of my business well, five actually, um, wasn't on Instagram because I, I just couldn't handle all of that extra pressure at the start. And yeah, I quit it despite everyone telling me that I need to be on it. Obviously I'm back on it now. And that's a really, um, well thought out choice. So think, yeah, you need to get rid of everything that's no longer serving you. Um, even if people tell you that you should do it, just Mm. get rid of it. Not working for you. Like you said, if it doesn't do your goals, your plans, your success, then bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, so they they are my sort of takeaways. And I do this on, on the regular. It's not like I did it six months ago or three years ago. I'm like, I'm done. On the regular. Mm-hmm.